Welcome to Corporate Crime, the podcast where we look at corporate crime spreading across Australia, um, shine the light on uh, issues that often aren't given enough attention. Uh, my name's Anthony Clan. I'm an investigative reporter, and I'm joined with professional um, corporate governance expert, Dr. Andy Schmulo. Good afternoon, Andy. Hello, Anthony. Lovely to be back with you. Uh, what a week it's been. What an enormous week it's been indeed. Um, look, this PricewaterhouseCoopers story um, just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and it's it's uh, the, I'd, I'd say the, the most explosive hearings last Friday that I've seen in this saga to date. Um, it was a day of just um, witnesses entering the box and just um, just explosion after explosion. Um, what, what was what was your takeaway from the day, Andy? I got to say, I've got to agree with you. I you know, there's been some really explosive testimony in the past, and certainly explosive enough that it's. Uh, it's turned the saga into, uh, well, into a saga. But uh, I've got to say, what, what I saw on Friday, you know, the expression that comes to mind, you could not make this shit up. Uh, we've had, we had the ATO appearing before the inquiry. So this is a Senate inquiry. Uh, it's an inquiry that was convened after the uh, revelation that uh, partners at PricewaterhouseCoopers had been trafficking in Australia's tax secrets. Convened by the Senate, chaired by Senator Richard Colbeck from Tasmania, and he is joined by Senator Barbara Pocock, who is a member of the Australian Greens. Colbeck is a Liberal, and he's joined by Senator Deborah O'Neill, who is from the Labor Party. And I have to say, Colbeck's not bad, but Barbara Pocock and Deborah O'Neill Oh, my God. They're you forces do, you, to be reckoned with. They're doing an absolutely stellar job. You do not want to get on the wrong side of those two women. You know, you would just be, you would just be well, you'd end up like Andrew Yates, toast. And so Andrew Yates, tell us, tell us about him. So we've had PwC, we had KPMG. Now, this is a Senate inquiry into into consultancies generally. Obviously, the big four will take up the lion's share of that. That's KPMG, PwC, Deloitte, Ernst & Young. Um, now, we've seen... Andrew Yates, the CEO of KPMG. KPMG is the, uh, the biggest, the federal government's, or the, the biggest of the big four, gets more federal government money than any other. It's talk, it's getting billions of dollars. Um, so the CEO, the, the question is, you know, they need to be beyond reproach. We've had the CEO, Andrew Yates, has been in the stand before, and on Friday um, he appeared again. Now, um, Andy, um, Dr. Schmulo has written a, a fantastic piece for the Claxon. You can find it at theclaxon.com.au where he summarises this, but um, or, or writes about this. It's a fantastic article. Check it out. But it, but Andy, um, what what were your thoughts on on regarding the, the KPMG CEO on Friday? So the first time he appeared, he burnt himself to the ground. This time, he set fire to the ashes. Uh, the first time he appeared, he was asked whether KPMG used power maps. Now, as Senator O'Neill pointed out, power maps are not illegal, but they are. A problem and they are a concern because they are a, a means by which to engage in a strategy called land and expand. So what, what these big consultancy firms do is they engage in the strategy called land and expand. They get into a government department by underquoting for the work that they're going to do. And then once they're in there, they try to massively expand the scope of the work that they've got to do and they keep upping the price. And by this stage, they've got their tentacles into the department. They are well familiar with who's who in the department. They're looking very closely at 
building relationships with people in the department. Some of those relationships are built on the basis of an implied promise of a revolving door. So one of the guys who appeared for KPMG on Friday uh, was a senior defense official and he had gone and joined KPMG. And uh, when he left defense, it was on the understanding that he would not contact anyone at the defense department for 12 months. And the first time Andrew Yates appeared, Barbara Co Co Pocock confronted him with uh, email, email correspondence within KPMG in which they were boasting about the fact that this guy still had six months to run on his exclusion uh, clause, and he was actively courting people in the Defence Department and building relationships. But I don't want to get hung up on that because that's the tip of the iceberg, right? Mm. First time Yates appeared, Barbara Pocock says to him, do you use power maps? No, 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 no. No, we don't use power maps. No, I don't, I don't even know what a power map is. What's a power map? She holds up a piece of paper and she says, this is a power map. This is a power map and it's been put together by KPMG. So he proceeded to do this kind of twisting, writhing little dance in which he tortured himself for sort of 15 or 20 minutes trying to explain that, well, it wasn't really a power map and it sh he didn't think of it as a power map and he wasn't sure that it was a power map and blah, blah, blah. And so, so power map being, you've got the, the, the consultancy KPMG say, um, maps out the department, who's who, works out who it can hit, um, who's who's most influential, et cetera, et cetera, and how it can extract the most money out of getting contracts um, and yeah, working out what's going on. Um, and the, 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 the crime here isn't as much the power maps, even though they're, you know, as, as bad as they are. The, the issue, the, the biggest issue here now is the cover-up, and often that's the case now. Um and that was shown in um, in painful painful detail or painful for Mr. Mr. Yates on Friday. So, anyway. just to just to clarify something, uh, you know, power maps are designed to peddle influence, to get tentacles deep into a department, to schmooze, to traffic in kind of relationships. They are antithetical to a government department. Uh, awarding contracts on the basis of the most rational possible determinants that you could find. If a government department is going to be basing its procurement and purchasing of uh, consultancy services on the most uncorrupted set of criteria, then who it's got cozy relationships with, irrelevant, right? It's got absolutely nothing to do with how the government department should be should be engaging in procurement. When you have firms like KPMG that are actively promoting these power maps and compiling these power maps and then putting their staff under enormous pressure to go and sell into departments based on these power maps, it becomes a form of soft corruption. So anyway, Andrew Yates, first time he appeared in September of last year, he says, no, 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 we don't use power maps. I don't know what you're talking about. It's all a big ruse. She then shows him a power map. Right? So he's confronted with the fact that he's lied to Parliament. Senator Pocock says to him, you have just been caught lying to Parliament. So he then says, he gets his, his 2RC, I can't remember what the guy's name is, and this fellow says, oh, oh no, um, we, we, we kind of got hung up on the definition of a power map and, uh, you know, we don't call those things power maps, we call them relationship maps. 
there's no difference, right? <laughs> At which point Senator O'Neill steps in and she says, I asked you a question on notice, boys. The question I asked you was, do you use power maps or relationship maps or influence maps or any other kind of map where you map your relationship with people in a government department and how well disposed they are towards you, irrespective of the name you call it. So they were caught absolutely flat-footed. And she read out now, the, the specific word for word, the, the questions on notice, and it, it captured all of that um, undeniably. She, she cast that she gave them a definition that was so wide that it was inescapable. And as you rightly say, it was a question on notice. So they're sitting in their offices, they're reviewing the question, they're having meetings, they're discussing how they should answer the question. This is not a question that is sprung on them in testimony and they misspoke in the heat of the moment. That's not what happened here. They're sitting back there with a team, their team of corporate lawyers working how they can try and get out of it. So that was in September. Fast forward to early February. Yates is back. He's brought with him an entire flotilla. He's got about 10, 10, or, pe- 10 or 12 people with him as a security blanket. He sits up in front of the Senate and Barbara Pocock gets absolutely stuck into him about power maps. She says to him, you came here last time and you lied. Are you going to tell us the truth this time? Yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't want to be, you know. So she says, okay, you say you've come here to tell us the truth. We asked you to give us copies of all the power maps that you use. Yep, he goes, yes, yes, we've done that. We've done that. We've given you copies of all the power maps we use. So she hands up, a, she, she holds up a copy of what they've sent her. And she says, this this is not a power map. This is an organizational chart of a government department, which you have copied and pasted from the government department's website. So you've tried to find something that is as innocuous as is humanly possible. You've cut and pasted. You've then changed it from land, from portrait mode or from landscape mode to portrait mode. You've deleted the government department's name at the top and you've put your name in and you've told us that's the only kind of power map you do. He goes, oh, yes, well, yes, uh, well, that's kind of, yes, that's true. That's that's all we do. We just do it because we, we want to be efficient. And she says, oh, really? What about this? And she holds up another different actual KPMG power map. It was just... Precisely, and it was, well, okay. You've you've given us this, you know, this sham power map, and and, and she's she's hold it up there. We've got an image of it on at the Claxon there, in, in um, Dr. Schmulo's piece of the of what they've sent through. And, and anyone who spends much time looking at government reports or annual reports or who's in, in government, and you know, most journalists and politicians have been in, the, in that boat. Um, this is quite a familiar, um, this, this this map or this layout is quite familiar and you'll see in all the annual reports and say, here's our people in our department. So for them to get one of those and then doctor it a little and put it in, like it, she said, you must think we're idiots. Um, and that, I think that pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, that's, that's, that's clearly what they were thinking. But um, she then went, yes, exactly, went and held up the... Which, what had been provided to the supplied or they'd obtained elsewhere, presumably through a whistleblower... Um, showing, well, here's actually what you're doing. And um, he said he hadn't seen this before, et cetera, et cetera, but he didn't deny it was KPMG. So basically, well, yes, not even basically, but caught red-handed. Um, here's the quote from Senator O'Neill, you must think we're absolutely stupid. Um, so anyway, what happens to him? So he's still there. Now he's a, he's admitted oh, he's being paid $2.2 million a year. 
So an enormous amount, a very large proportion of that's going to become more funded ultimately by taxpayers, given KPMG gets such a large proportion of its income from taxpayers and Australian government departments keep giving big contracts to KPMG, particularly defence. So the issue is what happens to him? Why is he still there? Well, uh, I think this is an interesting one, but um, with these big partners, uh, Andy, you've got with big partnerships rather, you've got rather than it being a corporate entity where you've got a chair um, whose head would roll if they didn't do the right thing and get rid of the CEO for poor performance. You don't have that as such. You've got all these all these partners and their um, primary um, objective is to, to maximise money that they can make out of the corporation. Um, so you just don't see the heads rolling like you would ordinarily. Um, and I guess that's why the, the call's there to, to actually properly uh, bring in some laws to properly police these partnerships or make them become corporate entities or um, at the very least stop giving them billions of dollars. To be fair, as bad as PwC is, when Tom Seymour, the CEO, was found to have lied to Parliament, he also went before Parliament and he said there was nobody else involved in the tax leak scandal other than Peter John Collins. And then it transpired, not only had there been other people involved, the other people involved had included Tom Seymour, the CEO. And when that was revealed, Tom Seymour uh, had to leave his position. So PwC, at least they kind of had the sort of situational awareness where they said, well, you know, (laughs) CEO, he's been caught lying to Parliament. Uh, It's a really bad look. Uh, Tom, you you might need to walk the plank. Yates, Yates has been caught lying to Parliament twice. Nothing's happened to him. KPMG's even worse. And Senator O'Neill, when Senator O'Neill held up a copy of the the bogus org chart, the organisational chart that that KPMG had sent in, she said to Andrew Yates, it took us a couple of minutes searching on the web to find where you'd copied and pasted this from. I've got to say, the woman who was sitting next to him, I I don't know what her name is, she, she looked like... She looked like she'd stare, she'd seen into the vortex. She was just like a stunned mullet. She was sitting there like trying not to look like she was going to burst into tears. It was just all so terrible. And I think, Andy, you, Yates, you sort of summed it up quite well there. Sorry, you sort of summed it up quite well there in your piece. Andrew Yates was, was, Andrew Yates was reduced to the professional services firm's CEO equivalent of Barnaby Joyce. And I think that sort of that encapsulates quite a lot there. So, so that was Andrew Yates providing a, a low light. Uh, but then the, the session started in the morning with the Australian Tax Office, the Deputy Commissioner, Jeremy Hershorn, appearing before the Senate and talking about all the, uh, all the things that the ATO was doing to try and put a stop to the, uh, to the rorting of the tax system and how concerned they were about what PwC had done and uh, that they were very upset about it and very pleased that something was now finally happening and Blah, blah, blah. The day before th- this inquiry took place, Neil Chenoweth, a journalist at the Australian Financial Review, published a massive story entitled Inside the Tax Office's Bitter Feud Over PwC. And there's no doubt in my mind that Chenoweth timed this article so that it would appear the day before uh, the the officials from the uh, Australian Tax Office and the officials from the Tax Practitioners Board were meant to appear before Parliament. So Hershorn, Deputy Commissioner of Tax, he's sitting in front of these senators and they start to grill him on the allegations in this article. 
And the allegations are that the tax office, the ATO, waged a war against the CEO of the Tax Practitioners Board, a fellow by the name of Michael O'Neill, because he wouldn't stop investigating Pricewaterhouse. And, and just to explain, the just, article, sorry, just to interject there quickly, so just in case anyone's confused, we've got the, the Australian Taxation Office, which is the, the, the biggest entity, the main body, the Tax Practitioners Board, which is also an Australian government entity. Um, it is responsible for has a budget of about 150 million a year, so it's much smaller, but you know it has about 150 employees, sizable enough. Uh, it's responsible for policing the practices of the 40,000 odd Australian uh, tax practitioners, um, accountants, what have you. Um, so their role is to take action against the, the, the PwC partners who are involved in, in the tax leak scandal for sharing um, Australian government, confidential Australian government information around PwC and using it to win business around the world. So you've got this this sort of argy-bargy between the ATO and the Tax Practitioners Board. Um, and the, a key issue throughout here has all along has been the, the ATO saying, oh, look, we couldn't do anything for since 2014 or 15 or however long ago it's known about this issue, like a decade essentially, uh, because of the secrecy laws and um, X, Y, Z. And the Tax Practitioners Board has actually gone, hang on, we can do something here. So it's gone out on its own and issued letters to... Um, the major um, multinationals, tech companies, um, the people that have been using these um, dodgy scheme whipped up by PwC to avoid Australian tax tax avoidance laws. Um, The ATO's got super upset about this and behind the scenes, um, we've heard this from about 12 months ago and Shenanworth did a great piece a a year ago now setting a lot of this out and and then the ATO came and denied it all and talked it down, et cetera, et cetera, and they tried to pull the same thing on Friday. And back to you, Andy. Yep, spot on. So the ATO is the huge behemoth uh, responsible for tax policy and uh, enforcement of the Tax Act and making sure that it collects taxes from uh, taxpayers. The Tax Practitioners Board is the entity no one had ever heard of Mm. until Peter Collins was found to have been selling tax secrets. So Chenoweth says in his article, he makes allegations I have to say, when I read Chenoweth's article, I thought to myself, and and this is coming from someone who's a sceptic and someone who's very concerned about Australia's slide into crony capitalism and uh, someone who uh, is concerned about uh, white-collar crime. When I read Chenoweth's article, I thought to myself, "Mm, I I don't really know if I believe this. Like, it's the allegations are so bad and... Call me naive, but I've always kind of had this sort of sense that the Australian tax office, that its reputation, that its ethics, that its integrity is inviolable, right? That they are just, they are bulletproof, they're squeaky clean. And I looked at this and I thought, oh, these allegations, mm, I'm not sure if I believe them. Like there's some really serious allegations in here. Like, for example, that the... Uh, current commissioner, Chris Jordan, launched a whole lot of uh, complaints against Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill, as I say, is the CEO of the Tax Practitioners Board, this tiny little minnow, that he launched a whole lot of complaints against Michael O'Neill because O'Neill wouldn't bloody stop investigating PwC. Had him investigated for bullying, for example. Now, if you watch the testimony and you watch Michael O'Neill, and don't get me wrong, I've got a lot of respect for Michael O'Neill. He's, he's obviously, obviously one of the good guys, but he, he has a personality like um, 
Oh, I don't know, a glass of water mixed with maybe a butterfly? Like, he's not a scary guy. He's very softly spoken. He's 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 quite sort of effete. He's, he's a bureaucrat from central casting. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he's already comes a lot. He's quite, quite meek and, 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 and precise. I mean, you know... I mean, anyone could be a bully, but uh, it, it, it does it does seem extremely unlikely. Um, but I mean, what happened next was 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 pretty remarkable. So Chenoweth's article says that they try to have him investigated for bullying, that that fell flat on its face, that they try to have him investigated for overreach, that fell flat on its face, that they threatened to have him investigated for fraud, but they didn't even have anywhere to start with that. The article also said. Chris Jordan came to a board meeting of the Tax Practitioners Board and unannounced, he proceeded to lambaste Michael O'Neill, who was out of the room, proceeded to lambaste him for continuing to investigate PwC in front of two board members, a guy by the name of Hogan and a woman by the name of Sullivan, and these are two Both tax practitioners board board members. So two board members of the Australian government tax practitioners board. Is his name Peter Hogan? Uh, yes. I can't remember his his first name. Uh, her name is Judy Sullivan. Um, let me just see if I can very uh, Paul Hogan. So Paul Hogan and Judy Sullivan, they're sitting in on this meeting. They are both ex PwC partners which means they are both getting a pension from PwC. Jordan comes in. He doesn't say to them, guys, I'm about to talk about a PwC matter, so you might want to recuse yourselves. Nor does he say to Michael O'Neill, I'm going to attack you mercilessly, so I don't know, you might want to be in the room to defend yourself. He attacks O'Neill while O'Neill is out of the room and in front of two former PwC partners, both of whom are still getting a pension from PwC, both of whom, get this right, both of whom are in regular and close communication with the then minister, Michael Sukar. And guess where Michael Sukar used to work? PwC, right? And what was came out of the inquiry on top of that was that neither actually got up and said, hey, we're going to recuse ourselves from the meeting. So the TPB said, oh, look, you know, they recuse themselves, et cetera, et cetera. They haven't been involved in the PwC. Peter Collins probe was like, well, hang on a minute. They they didn't excuse themselves or accuse themselves from that meeting. They sat there for that entire meeting. Um, now, um, Senator Pocock just said that was the sort of thing that you should be outed from a board from immediately. I mean, that's, that's just um, beyond the pale. But anyway. Um, and then Michael Sukar, ex-PWC, minister for whatever he was minister for in the Liberal government, Michael Sukar then enacted so-called reforms of the TPB to give the new incoming chairman who is openly hostile to Michael O'Neill the power to sack O'Neill. So we've got Chris Jordan goes to a board meeting, gets stuck into Michael O'Neill while he's out of the room, but who's in the room, two PwC ex-partners who are in constant contact with Michael Suka, who's also ex-PwC, who then enacts reforms to help the new incoming chair of the TPB TPB, the Tax Practitioners Board, boot Michael O'Neill out of the organisation because Michael O'Neill won't stop investigating PwC. 
So and it's worth noting as well that the, the Michael O'Neill has an absolutely stellar history at the at Tax Practitioners Board and in, in public service, and he's led, um, particularly in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, like some fantastic uh, investigations and probes. Um, so he's he's um, his his scoreboard is sort of you know beyond none. Like he's he's the top of his game. One of the other allegations that Chenoweth made is that when Sukar, when Michael Sukar enacted these reforms, one of the reforms that he put in place had it had it gone through, it didn't go through because the bloody corrupt liberals lost government. One of the reforms he was going to put in place was that when the new chair of the TPB sacked Michael O'Neill, Michael O'Neill would be subject to a so-called no returns policy. So Michael O'Neill has been seconded to the Tax Practitioners Board from the Australian Tax Office. And his contract states, if he has to leave the Tax Practitioners Board, he is automatically entitled to return to his job at the Australian Tax Office. Under relentless pressure from Chris Jordan, the current ATO Commissioner, under relentless pressure from Chris Jordan, not only does Michael Sukar put in place steps so that the chair can sack Michael O'Neill, but when he sacked him, he won't have a job to go back to, right? So this is, these are the allegations in Chenoweth's article. And I read them and I thought, they are so shocking, I actually don't believe them. So the first person who's up to be interviewed, Jeremy Hershorn, the Deputy Commissioner of the Australian Tax Office. And of course, Senator Barbara Pocock, who's all over this, she says to her, Sean, I want to ask you about these allegations. Did you launch all sorts of inquiries and all sorts of all sorts of complaints against Michael O'Neill? No, 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 we didn't do that. Did you try and have him sacked? No, no, no. Did you try and enforce a no returns policy on him? No, no, I can't tell you how egregiously untrue those allegations are. So I thought, I'm relieved. I'm actually relieved to hear that the Australian Tax Office is not that corrupt. Next up, next organisation to appear before the Senate after the Australian Tax Office was finished that morning, Tax Practitioners Board. Michael O'Neill doesn't say a word. Like I, if I'd gone there, I would have sat down and gone, excuse me, excuse me, I just want to say everything Jeremy Hershorn said was a bloody lie. Not, not, not this guy O'Neill. He's very quiet. He's very calm. He doesn't say anything. Barbara Pocock says to him, so we've heard that there were no, uh, we've we've heard and we've heard a denial that there were any uh, investigations against you. Is that true? He goes, no, I'm afraid it's not true. And she he, goes, what he delivered was it was devastating. He just he went through in um, very measured, um, using very measured words, but he just explained in, in detail exactly what had happened, and it just left um, Herschel on just looking like a liar, um, having lied. Um, so. And I guess a big one one point to put to, to add there is that Chris Jordan, who's the boss of the uh, ATO, has been there for for many years. He's um, preparing to leave in the next few weeks, actually. And there's a um, another person's been appointed to to run the ATO for at least the next five years. Now that person um, is uh, a Rob Hef, Hefferin, who is to be to to lead the ATO for a period of seven years. It was announced on December seven by um, uh, Jim Chalmers, the the federal treasurer. Um, he um, he used to be uh, Hefferin used to be or is currently the CEO of the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, and he's been in the public service for over thirty years. Now, the reason I bring that up is because if what we've seen throughout these Australian government tax entities is just the proliferation of these 
big four former partners or big four partners, even some, many of them on the, on the, still on the payroll of the big four, running Australia's taxation systems, which is just a disaster. So um, the government's shown some, some great sense there and actually employed someone who's not from the big four and put, put them in in, um, in charge. And the reason I've raised that is because Hershorn himself was a was a key favourite to actually be to be put into the position of of um of the, the the boss of the ATO commission ATO commissioner so um it might have been that they made it very well it looks like they made a very good call there if you've got Hershon making untrue statements to a Senate inquiry and it I mean it's pretty difficult for him to get around that isn't it I mean, he, and, and Hershon is ex KPMG yes exactly the, of course um Hershon so both the, the ATO boss and the deputy are both ex KPMG it's it's quite remarkable and um you know one of the things they said to Michael O'Neill was they said uh Tell us, were you going to, was there any talk about a no-return policy? He said, yes, Michael Sukar had put in place a no-return policy and I was being told I had to sign a new contract and the new contract would have included a no-return policy. And Barbara Pocock said, well, what happened with that? And he said, oh, well, you know, uh, Minister Sukar was part of a government that lost office and so it didn't eventuate. And she said, and they were threatening you with a fraud inquiry like this guy this guy is so straighty 180. This guy is like, you know, he's he he, he probably he probably is in, in incapable of even bloody cheating at Monopoly, right? He is just so down the line. And uh, she said to him, so they were going to investigate you for fraud. What was that like? And he said, well, um, you know, it, it did cause some. Uh, it did cause some um, challenges for me and my staff. Like, like you think? I, I cannot imagine a workplace <laughs> more toxic than having the Australian tax office bearing down on you, going, "We're going to get you. We're going to get you for bullying, or we're going to get you for fraud. We're going to get you for something." For doing your goes. job. For, 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 for doing your job. Right? Yeah, for doing I your mean, job. I mean, that's that's corruption. That's that's textbook corruption. So, right there, and and. So, and by this stage, we haven't even broken for lunch, right? By this stage, the Senate hearings on Friday, it isn't even lunchtime. And what we are hearing is the CEO of the Tax Practitioners Board revealing that he had been subjected to a relentless campaign of vilification and bullying in order to shut him down and shut him up because he wouldn't stop investigating PwC. And while all of this is going on, he's having to deal with board members who are PwC ex-partners and who are in constant contact with an ex-PwC partner who's now minister of whatever Sukar was minister of. It's just, Anthony, this is, this is, this is no longer Sweden with better weather. This country is becoming Russia with better weather. I, this I, think, is I mean, we've mentioned before, like uh, between 20, 2012 and 2022, Australia fell faster down Transparency International's index towards corruption than any other nation, with the exception of Hungary, with, with whom we tied. I mean, they might have even underestimated it. I mean, obviously, they were, that, they, were, they were at least spot on. But I mean, this is the sort of stuff that's been going on behind the scenes here for the, the past decade, at least. And it's, it, it's rotten. And there's a lot more than this. I mean, this is still just the tip of the iceberg. I'm just... Uh... Looking up quickly what Michael Sukar was minister of. Uh, assistant minister to the treasurer. Right. Assistant minister to the treasurer. So really. That's super know, high up. That's that's pretty much, yeah. 
the um and the deputy Josh Frydenberg. I mean, I just I don't have a good word to say about him. I was actually I was actually bitterly bitterly disappointed the other day when I heard that Josh Frydenberg isn't going to be uh, recontesting the seat of Kuyong, because the only thing <clears throat> that would have given me more pleasure than seeing Josh Frydenberg lose to uh, Monique Ryan would have been seeing him lose to her twice. And he would have got trounced. And I'm sure, well, I'm certain that's why that he hasn't run because they've just thought, we'll just keep doing the polling, keep doing the polling, and it just keeps saying no way. And the more the public becomes aware of of what Josh Frydenberg got up to. And as we've mentioned before, and we've written at length at the Klax, and you can find it there, is um, Frydenberg secretly deleted the, the findings of the investigation into corruption at the top of ASIC, the top of the corporate regulator, and, and still nothing's come out. The government still hasn't done anything about that. That's a that's a shame. The current government really needs to get on that and expose it because there's, there's no point just coming into government and letting you know, serious wrongdoing just sit there. You've got to actually hold it out and, and you know, do something to prevent it happening again. Then after lunch, uh, after we'd all had a chance to have a lie down and kind of digest and what we'd seen in the morning and just sort of pull ourselves towards ourselves, along came resting bulldog face Kevin Burrows. Kevin Burrows is the CEO of PwC, parachuted into PwC after Tom Seymour had to leave because he'd been caught lying to Parliament. And Kevin Burrows uh, was in charge of PwC in Singapore. He's a POM. Joe He spent a lot of years working in, in like decades, I think, in work, decades working at PwC UK beforehand so he's he's pwc bluebud all the way through yeah and he's parachuted into pwc australia to deal with the dumpster fire that is that has become the the former audit firm known as pwc but anthony and i we've been doing a little bit of digging and Mm. we found some very interesting information about mr kevin burrows uh resting bulldog face i think it was joe aston who wrote Rear Window in the Australian Financial Review who referred to him as resting bulldog face. That sounds he's, like Joyce. He's not, he's not a pretty man. Um, Big Kevo used to be head of clients and markets for PwC UK. When Peter Collins was found to have betrayed Australia and sold Australia's tax secrets to the uh, biggest tax evaders on earth. Some of that information was shared with the tax in brackets evasion department at PwC in the UK. So the tax advice department in the UK is receiving and trafficking in Australia's tax secrets, which they're getting from this traitor, Peter Collins, in Sydney. The tax division of PwC UK reported to the head of PwC UK clients and markets. Guess who the head of clients and markets was at PwC UK? Big Kev resting bulldog face. Unbelievable, isn't it? And he's the he's the one that now parachuted in there. But I think that sort of brings us to the next point: is uh, listeners will no doubt recall in September of last year, PwC said, "Oh, look, we're going to have with with here's the findings of our our independent review into this whole saga." Now, um, several months into the affair, they announced that, that they would conduct their own internal review. That they'd appointed Ziggy Switzkowski, um, who's a 
businessman, former um, CEO of Telstra many years ago. Um, he comes in and does this inquiry. Um, we subsequently reveal, the Claxon reveals that the, the terms of reference, um, PwC is refusing to disclose the terms of reference of this inquiry and the terms of reference being the instructions that are set for the inquiry, the instructions that PwC sets for the inquiry that it pays for. Um, and then the report comes out and sure enough, um, PwC has deliberately told Switzkowski not to look into the tax leaks affair. It said, don't look at any, into anything before your appointment, before 2023. And obviously he's appointed after the, <laughs> after the scandals happened. So he, he's, he's put in there to do this report. He can't report or look specifically any of these issues and doesn't and actually makes that point in his, in his final report. PwC says, look, here's your report. See you later. We're all done. Um, they also put out this this so-called statement of facts, 33-page document that's sort of heavily legaled and names redacted and sort of largely a nonsense. Um, but it has a little bit more information about the tax um, the tax affair. But it's you know, it's extremely carefully done with you know teams of corporate lawyers to avoid anyone getting in trouble or any actual um, proper information coming out. Um, and they also at the same time, so it's in cahoots. So they're in, they're working at the same time. You've got um, PwC International. They put out a statement that same day. It's about three paragraphs on the website saying, hey, look, uh, we had some lawyers looking at um, this group, Linklater's law firm we've engaged and they've done a report. Um, but yeah, too bad. We're not going to show it to you, essentially. Or they just you know, didn't 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 refer to it, but they wouldn't provide it to media, haven't provided the Senate inquiry. So there's been these questions ever since, hey, what's in this Linklater's report um, over you, Andy? So first thing I want to say, uh, don't be don't be a moron. Don't be stupid. Don't be an idiot. When PwC gets Ziggy Swatovsky to do a review, don't be don't be dumb as dog shit and think, oh well, Ziggy Swatovsky, you know, he used to be chair of Telstra or CEO of Telstra, and he's very respected, and I'm sure it's, everything's under control now, and there'll be an independent review. They got Ziggy Swatovsky to do a review, and when he did the review, they said to him, "You are allowed to look at PwC." from the day you are appointed forwards, you are not allowed to look backwards at all. Well, what's the point of the review? Like, what are you reviewing? You And they even, hit, they even hit that fact because they refused to, hand, to say what their terms of reference were until it came out. And actually, it was the New South Wales inquiry that exposed that. So we were exposed that they were, they were refusing to, to, um, to, to hand over the terms of reference and they refused and we put it to them many times. Then there was a, an inquiry, Senate inquiry by the New South Wales government um, and they actually managed to get their hands on it and found that, sure enough, he wasn't actually looking at the issue at hand. So it's just a so from from, from day one, it's been a completely organised, carefully choreographed stitch up, cover up by PwC. Um, and the what is great is the Senate inquiry has done such a good job, and they are completely aware of this as they've made known um, that you know, this isn't good enough. But often it's so frustrating as a journalist, you'll see this, and as an investigative journalist, you'll dig into this stuff, and you'll know exactly what's going on, um, but you'll have a Senate or the, the, um, authorities that just won't do their jobs properly and won't get to the bottom of it. But this time, they're really sticking to their guns, which is fantastic. And there was some extremely strong language used to that end on Friday. About the Linklater's report. So the Swatovsky report is just a, a curtain trick, right? It's just a fig leaf. But the Linklater's report, that's even worse. They... PwC has refused to show anyone what the terms of reference were for the Linklater's report, and they've refused to show anybody the Linklater's report, which names a so-called dirty six. Six partners who are at the very top of PwC Global, 
who were part of trafficking Australia's tax secrets. So Kevo, big, big Kevo, resting bulldog face, goes and he appears before the Senate and they said to him, where's the Linklater's report? You promised the public, you went, your firm went on the record in September of last year and said, we promise we will give you the Linklater's report. That was September. Where's the Linklater's report, Kevo? And he goes, oh, no, I've emailed the head office and they've said it's covered by confidentiality and they won't show it to me. Now, at this point, I want to pull back the curtain, right? Kevo is the CEO of PwC Australia. He was the CEO of PwC Singapore. He was in a very senior position at PwC in the UK. He's been parachuted into this dumpster fire to try and save what little is left of PwC. Are you telling me if big Kevo turned around to Bob Moritz, who's the global CEO of PwC, and said to him, Bobby, either you give me that Linklater's report or I'm walking, right? I can get a job somewhere else or I've made so much money I can re retire, but I'm not going to be the patsy. I'm not going to be hung out to dry. We promised the Australian public the, the Linklater's report. You've refused to give it to me. This is not acceptable. If you want me to put, the, put this dumpster fire out, you need to give me that Linklater's report. Instead, he says, oh, no, I've sent a few emails and they said, no, you can't have it. I call bullshit. I call bullshit too. It's a stitch up. It's a, it's a, it's a pre-organized stitch up, of course. Um, they don't want to release it. They won't release it. Um, but I, I think the heart of all of this is like, why on earth is PwC doing its own investigations into itself? Yeah. Um, the governments need to be in there. You know, what I mean, they need to be not. The, where they, where on earth is the AFP, the Australian Federal Police? They were supposed to be looking at this years ago, and they still haven't done anything. Um, it's outrageous. And PwC, if, I mean, even even with this link letters report, clearly it's it's there's damning findings in there. I mean, the issue with this link letters report is it looks at the the international aspects of the of the tax scandal, not just um, the Australian information, but all, all the all the um, PwC branches and partners around the world sharing it and making money out of it, or trying to make money out of it. Um, so it, if, it, it makes the issue global. So what PwC is doing, absolutely everything it can, is trying to cauterize the wound, keep it in Australia, keep it locked away in Australia, but. That almost certainly isn't going to happen. And it isn't going to happen in a large part because the Senate inquiry is saying, look, no, that's not good enough. We're not going to let that stand. Now, Chair Richard Colbeck said, look, we'll do everything in our power. We'll be, um, we will be or are engaging with um, our counterparts in other parts of the world, um, other jurisdictions. Now, uh, if you look at the US, for example, the, the, the laws there regarding organised um, corruption, organised crime or wrongdoing, corporate wrongdoing, much stronger. So there's every chance that there could be um, there could be quite a bit of action um, coming from that on that front. But but basically what this means is it's not going away. Um, we saw the Financial Times had a had a good piece on this um, on Friday. Uh, it's making international headlines. They're not going to get away with it. What what is remarkable to me, and I mean it's got to be it's the it's all the partners voting. Well, they're not going to vote. They're clearly not going to vote to. to um, tell the truth because it's going to cost them some money. So they're going to vote to cover it all up, which is what they keep doing and doing and doing. But the long-term strategy, well, the long-term effect is just going to be, this is going to drag out and drag out and drag out and not going to get any better. And I, they think it is just going to blow over with the media cycle, et cetera, but it isn't. Um, what, what's the, even more interesting, Senator Colbeck said to Big Kevo, we are, these were his words. He said, we are deadly serious about getting that report. And he said, if we don't get that report, we on this committee, and it's not just, he said, it's not just us, it's the whole Australian parliament. We're going to write a report that's not going to be pretty. 
and we're going to spread the love around and we'll spread it around internationally. So he's saying to Kevo, if you don't give us that report, the consequences for you are going to be catastrophic. So now you've got to ask yourself, what's in that report that is so explosive that big Kevo would rather risk the wrath of the entire Australian parliament than hand over that report? What's in there? And you've got, and you have Colbeck saying there are people who are actively working with Australians, particularly in the United States, to go around and gather up customers to help them promote tax schemes. Why don't we deserve to understand what sits behind that from the international level? And he says, the only answer I get is the same answer the tax office got. And this is the ATO. So the PwC for many years is telling the ATO to basically get stuff. We're not giving you information. Legal professional privilege, which is nonsense, of course, because legal professional privilege, well, hang on, PwC paid this law firm to get this advice. It could do what it wants with it. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's PwC's damn advice. Um, it's saying it's legal professional privilege. It's just a nonsense. It's just more of a nonsense on top of on top of nonsense. But I think one really interesting point that we've we've come by, um, and this is the basis of a, a major expose we're going to run tomorrow, which should cause quite a few, few uh, quite a bit of a stir, I think, Andy. Um, so you've got um, Kevin Burrow saying, "Look, I can't get this report." Blah blah blah. Send an email, etc. Now. There's a person called Patricia Carney who calls herself or is called Paddy Carney, prefers Paddy, apparently. Now, Paddy Carney is a member of PwC International. Now, remember, it's PwC International. It's based in the UK that's done this, uh, commissioned this Linklater's report um, into the, the, the global aspects of this scandal. Um, now, Patricia Carney is uh, the director of the PwC International um, and directors of, um, of entities such as this, they have Every, they are required to be able to access company documents. Otherwise, they wouldn't be directors. They've got to sign off an account, et cetera. She has full access. So Paddy Carney is also PwC Australia partner. She, Paddy Carney works in Sydney in PwC's offices. She works alongside Burroughs. So all Burroughs has to do is say, hey, Paddy, uh, how's about that document? So here you've yep. got an independent director, and, and it's worth noting here, I, I, I called Paddy yesterday, um, it's quite helpful, actually, with a lot of these PwC partners. They have their mobile phone numbers on the website. Um, I, I guess quite a few of them don't anymore. But anyway, um, she and she refused to comment. Like she, she heard out my questions and then said, oh, look, it's been handled by the media team at PwC Australia. So sure enough, I put written questions to Kevin Burrows regarding this four questions. Uh, have you uh, asked Miss Carney for this information? If not, why not? Um, if so, when did you ask her for it? Um, anyway, comes back from, from the, the PR person, uh, yeah, look, nah, we're not going to respond to that. Um, a lot, a lot of this was, a lot of these issues were discussed last Friday. Um, so basically, get stuffed. Um, so that's just part of the ongoing cover up, anyway. So that won't do much to help them though, because it's um, you know the basis now of a, of a major will be the basis of a major expose, and the Senate inquiry will no doubt be watching that very closely. So to, to be just to just to make sure that we we join the dots. Kevo says, when he's asked why he hasn't provided the Linklater's report, if you read between the lines, what's really going on, he said, I, even I haven't seen it. Now, <laughs> there's no ways, right? There is no ways that if Kevo had said to the global CEO, at least show me the report, at least let me see it, they would have said no to him. The reason why he hasn't seen it, because he doesn't want to see it so he can maintain plausible deniability. Exactly. And the way these, that's the way these things work. You don't, you don't actually look at it, but they can say, hey, the gist of it is X, Y, Z, or you know, just use some language behind the scenes, all good. So he knows what's going on. 
Um, he's given the heads up, but doesn't actually see it. So he can stand there and correctly say he hasn't seen the report. So there's a firm, there's a company that is registered in the United Kingdom called PwC International Limited, PwC IL. It doesn't trade. All it does is manage the franchise. PwC IL has commissioned the Linklater's report. One of the board members of PwC IL is an employee of Kevo Resting Bulldog Face. So when he says, oh, you know, I've emailed and they're the other side of the world and they're in a galaxy far, far away and I can't get hold of them and they don't want to give it to me and it's so far away and it's all so difficult, all he needs to do is take his resting bulldog face and his buffy hairdo and stick it around the corner of the door of the office of Miss Carney and go, give me the damn Linklater's report and he'll get it. And what I find particularly interesting, right, Australia is a G8 economy PwC Global is a global firm. It's not, it cannot claim to be a, a credible global firm without a footprint, a sizable footprint in a G8 economy like Australia. They're risking that. They're risking their presence here. They've already had to sell off their government consulting arm. They're risking the survival of PwC, Globe, uh, PwC Australia in a G8 economy and the impact that will have on PwC Global in order not to release the report. I say it again. Can you imagine what's in that report? Remarkable. All right, we better better wrap it up there, Andy. That's um that's it's it was just look, it was just a remarkable session Friday. It's many more, many more stories to come out of that. And also later this month, there is a, a, another hearing. Um, this particular Senate inquiry is due to be wrapped up. Um, by around the 25th of March, they're due to issue their final report. They have extended their deadline several times. I think this time they'll probably will wind it up by that date. Um, but these issues won't be going away because other Senate inquiries are ongoing. The Standing Committee and Economics, for example, um, these senators uh, straddle both. So they'll be continuing to, to, to track this and to, to ask questions on this, regardless of, of whether this, you know, this specific uh, inquiry is wound up. Andy? Yep. And if you go over to my LinkedIn page, I've... I've uh put up uh, edited clips, I've put, I've put up clips of the interactions between Barbara Pocock and Andrew Yates and Senator Deborah O'Neill and Andrew Yates. And it is, the, it is some of the best entertainment you will watch on TV. Truly remarkable. All right, well, thank you so much. And we'll um, be speaking to you again next time. Terrific. Thank you, Anthony. Wonderful to talk to you and best all, all best wishes to our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Indeed. Thank you so much.